All right, well, good morning again, everybody. Welcome to Calvary, and want to say again thanks to Robbie and Sarah Harith for being here. If you want to meet them, they're going to be out in the Welcome Center at the end of our service, so you can go meet them, grab one of their prayer cards so you can pray for them on a regular basis. But we want to welcome you here in the room. Maybe you're joining us online on YouTube or Facebook or a podcast. Thanks for being here at Calvary this morning. It's so exciting to see all that God is doing and how we get to be a part of a church that is active and moving where the hand of God is blessing and lives are being transformed. Last week, Pastor Choco de Jesus just rocked our world. If you missed uh, first service or second service, you should go back and watch them because it was two different sermons. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like the same thing, but two different sermons. It was awesome. Of course, next week is Palm Sunday. And as we mentioned a couple of uh, minutes ago, in two weeks is Resurrection Sunday, and so we encourage you to come out. I would, uh, if you can, come to the earliest service possible for you, 8.30 or 10, 11.30, uh, but that 8.30 service, there's gonna be plenty of seats, but you know that 10 o'clock and that 11.30 is gonna be pretty packed, so if you're wanting to get in and then get to brunch, come to the 8.30 service. Uh, just, that's a tip for you today. Uh, but it's gonna be a great day in the Lord. Well, today we're gonna be back in the book of Matthew. The Gospel According to Matthew. You can turn in your Bibles there now or your devices. Matthew chapter 7 is uh, where we left off a few weeks ago. In fact, we spent about 25 weeks in Matthew last year in 21, and we finally made it to chapter 7. I met someone in the lobby, a young man, who said, I can remember the first Sunday I came, you were in the very beginning of Matthew. And I was like, I wonder if he's ever coming back to Matthew. And yes, here we are. We're in Matthew chapter 7 today. And of course, if you were here, uh, in chapter 5, Jesus began the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he really wanted to get to issues of the heart. He wanted to transform the internal, get a hold of our heart and our motives, our spiritual well-being, because the internal affects the external. It affects our relationship with God. It, reflect, it affects our relationship with other people. What's in our hearts comes out in how we treat each other, like being judgmental which is how he started chapter seven. That's how chapter seven begins. Jesus told us to be careful about this issue of being judgy. You're so worried about the little speck in your friend's eye that you're not even paying attention to the big plank, the big two by four, the big log in your own eye. We can rightly make judgments without being wrongly judgmental. And people respond a lot better to encouragement than evaluation. And so that brings us to chapter 7, verse 7. Are you there yet? Okay, I thought it was going to be better reply than that. I tried that first service. It was like crickets. Do you love the word of God? Amen. Well, we're in Matthew 7. We're going to pick it up at verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Okay, that sounds really amazing, right? 
Ask, it's going to be given to you. Seek and find. Knock, the door is going to be open to you. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, that, that sounds awesome. That, that sounds kind of like we have a God who is on demand, who is there to meet my needs, to answer all my requests, and give me everything I want, all my wishes, wants, and desires. Some of you are ahead of me already. And for some, this passage has taken to, to, to mean that. You know, prayer is something that I do in order to get God to do something for me that I want him to do. I pray in hopes of moving his hand in my life. I pray, and so I, I gotta figure out what's the right formula. How should, I, how should I say this prayer? What volume should I use? What verbiage should I use? What's the right formula so I can get from God what I want from him? That's a hyper-prosperity mentality, a, a, a name-it-claim-it, right? Blab it and grab it, right? Well, that, that TV evangelist said, if I gave to his ministry, that I'm gonna get a hundred times back what I sent to him if I do it in the next 30 days. God, after all, is there to make me happy and rich. Well, there is danger in that sort of philosophy and totally misses the point of prayer. It misses what Jesus was trying to say here. Actually, prayer isn't about getting what I want at all. Prayer is about getting what God wants. If you're taking notes in your journals, that'd be a good thing to write down. Prayer isn't about getting what I want. Prayer is about getting what God wants. So as I pray, as I seek him, he begins to download inside of me what exactly it is that he wants for my life, his will, his purpose, his desires. So the more time I spend with him, the more aligned I become with what he wants for me, not what I want for me. Now imagine how terrifying it would be if God answered every prayer in the affirmative to whatever our prayers might be. How terrifying would that be? Uh, those of you that have kids, uh, maybe you, can, you maybe have a four or five year old. How ridiculous would it be if they had an on-demand genie in a bottle that would answer everything? I mean, the world would be destroyed, right? If not that, it would certainly be filled with marshmallows and cupcakes and cookies and ice cream and all of that, and there'd probably be literal money growing on trees, right? They don't even know, their minds don't even know how to ask the right things. That's how it is sometimes with you and I. Some of us aren't asking the right things to our Heavenly Father. We see God as someone that's just there to grant my wishes. After all, that's what he's there for, right? To make me happy. And then God doesn't answer the prayers like we wanted him to answer it. We're like, what's up with that? So then we, we start to doubt that scripture that we just read because we've experienced unanswered prayers. Thank you, Garth Brooks in the 1990s. Anybody know that song? Okay. Sometimes I'm thankful for those unanswered prayers, but, but sometimes it, it, it gets doubt inside of us because we prayed for that loved one to be healed, but they passed away. We prayed for that situation to get turned around and for God to do it like I wanted to, and it, and it didn't happen. We, we, we've experienced broken hearts. 
We've had bad things happen to us. Well, I prayed and it wasn't given to me. What are we supposed to do with that? Real quick, just a couple things. One, remember Jesus talks in this sermon in some hyperbole, right? How do we know that? Well, just a few verses earlier, he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. (laughs) Well, I don't think any of us have, have reached that standard quite yet, right? He said, if you lust at that woman down the street, just go ahead and gouge your eye out. How many were like, yeah, sign me up for that? He was literal there, he, right? Or when he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I don't see very many people here with just one hand or one eye, right? His greater point was, you need to take seriously the issue of lust. You need to take seriously the issue of sin. It's the same thing here. You need to take seriously this issue of prayer. You need to make prayer a priority in your life. Prayer is not about getting what I want. It's about getting what God wants. It's an earthly request for heavenly intervention. So I I ask and I seek and I knock, and what I'm doing is I'm inviting God into the middle of what I'm going through. I'm inviting God's release of his will in my life. Are you with me, everybody? Okay? Okay. So why would Jesus slip this particular prayer, this particular message in the middle of of what he's been doing. This doesn't seem to go with the overall theme that he's building in his Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of out of nowhere. What what is he meaning here? Is this just kind of a a short little reprieve? I mean, he's he's been talking about loving our enemies. Praying for those who persecute us and and mock us. He went through all the Beatitudes. He talked about that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. We need to be generous with our treasurer, with our treasure and our treasurer, (laughs) Steve. He also said, don't be filled with fear and anxiety. Then he he said at the beginning of chapter 7, don't be so judgy. And then he says, ask and it will be given, seek you will find Knock and the door will be open. Where is this coming from? Well, Jesus had been calling them and he's calling us to a standard of living that is just unattainable on our own. All those things that he's talked about in the previous two chapters, we can't possibly reach that level without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, there were certain things that his particular audience had been taught for centuries that had to be unlearned so that he could show them a better way. But, but how could they, how can us, how can we live up to those standards? So in the middle of all of that, he throws out a lifeline. He says, ask, seek, knock. He wants to help us on our spiritual journey. He didn't leave us hanging without help. Here's what you do. Ask, seek, and knock. And notice those three words are are verbs. There's action to those words. It indicates a a continuous type of activity. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Jesus is emphasizing the importance of having a persistent and consistent prayer life. I need to hear that, I can tell you. Sometimes I just do a a quick little drive-by. Oh, and Lord, don't forget to do this for me. And then I forget about being consistent and persistent and seeking his heart, 
So we, we ask, we seek, and we knock so that we can stay in contact with God. We ask, we seek, we knock so that he can tell us what it is that he wants us to do. So he can download inside of us what he has for us and so that we have the strength to walk through the door that he has led us to. God answers believers who persistently ask, seek, and knock. It's a progression. Three types of prayers. It starts again with the ask. We bring to the Lord. We, we come before him with a humble spirit and we just simply ask. And as we're persistent with that, the reward is that we will receive. And then from, from asking, we move to seeking. We seek the Lord and, and not my will, but his will. We seek to know his heart. We seek to get to know our father. And as we seek him, we find him. And then the asking turns to seeking. The seeking then turns to knocking. Again, that implies some persistence there. I'm knocking on the door that you have led me to, Father. And the reward for that is an open door. He opens the door that he leads us to. More importantly, uh, we, we seek entrance into the heavenly place, to the heavenly palace of the king, and he opens wide the door for us. There's a progression, asking to seeking, seeking to knocking. It's not a one and done. It's actively doing these things in an ongoing progression. Again, not so that we can have our wishes granted, but so that we can know his heart and we can live out his wishes for our lives. Now, here's the thing. you got to keep doing it because God might be delaying the answer to your prayer. There could be a, a reason why he hasn't answered in the way or in the timing that you had been hoping and praying for. You might even be asking and seeking and knocking for the right thing, but God hasn't brought the answer to you yet. That ha that's happened to me. There's just a couple years ago. Uh, the leadership team and, and I, we were, we were working on plans for this building, kind of the, the new lobby to, to make room for more people. I was really excited about it. Again, some of the leadership. I was ready to get things rolling in 2020. And then, we, of course, we know what happened in 2020. And it wasn't God's timing. But you know what? I didn't just throw that away. Uh, I guess that's, maybe that was bad pizza or something. It wasn't that. I just kept asking Seeking and knocking. And you know what he did? He brought to us a better plan in a better season. Let that encourage you today. He's got something better for you. Now, his answer might be yes to the prayer that you're asking, seeking, and knocking. It might be no. It might be later. Uh, I've got something, uh, you know, just later. But the answer could sometimes be, I've got something even better for you too. Our job is to ask, seek, and knock. His job is to do the providing because he knows what's best. Then to illustrate this, Jesus uses the picture of a parent-child relationship. A parent is eager and ready to give good things to their kids, especially when what they are asking for is the right kind of things. Let's move on to verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
or if, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, and by that he means in comparison to the heavenly father, I mean, we're just not even in the same league. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So I just love how he paints these word pictures. And this is kind of a silly one, isn't it? I mean, imagine your child, hey, I'm kind of hungry. You got some bread, mama? Got some bread, dad? No, I don't, but here's a rock. I don't have any bread, but if you go back out, there's a bunch of gravel that you can just kind of chew on for a little while. Of course not. Or, dad, I was thinking fish for lunch. Maybe some Long John Silvers or something like that. Well, we're fresh out of salmon, son, but I've got something else with scales. How about a snake? Would you enjoy a snake for lunch? No, of course. As earthly parents, we want to treat our kids with goodness and kindness and, and, and treat them nicely. Jesus is saying, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to you? Because he is so much better and wiser than we are. Right, His goodness and tenderness far excels that of any earthly parent. God is a better father than we are. He is infinitely better for that matter, infinitely better than parents, any parents that are here. He has more love. He has more compassion. He has more grace. He has more mercy. He has more resources. And on top of that, he is more eager and more ready to bless his kids like you and me. Now, when it comes to my kids as their father, I know what's best for them. Father knows best, Malia, just telling you. (laughs) I know what's best. Uh, They think they know what's best for their life, but they haven't gone through life the way I have yet. They haven't had the experience that I have. But because I know them, I know their personalities, I know their tendencies, I know where they lean and and all of that stuff and how they're wired. I understand a little bit about uh, how the world works better than they do. I know what's best for them. That's the same with our Heavenly Father. The Father knows what's best for you. The Father knows what's best for me. Even more than we do. He has supernatural solutions to our natural problems. He has heavenly supply for our earthly needs. And like Kelly said earlier, like the word says, he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So we can approach our heavenly Father with confidence. Amen, everybody? God has something better, better than you can think, hope, or imagine. I think that would be good to just build your faith today. Can we say this out loud together? Ready? God has something better. I believe that. Our Father is a good, good Father, better than any earthly father you can imagine. Now, those of you that have had some rough times with your earthly father. Can I just encourage you to not project that bitterness or resentment onto your heavenly father? Some of you had a father who was absent or abandoned you, and you've got daddy issues even to this day. Some of you had a father who was present, but he was mean, he was abusive, he was a jerk whatever else. 
Let me encourage you that that's not the heart of your heavenly father. And I've got confirmation from the Holy Spirit that spoke to another person. You don't know this, but I was tossing, uh, I, got, I had another sermon in the hopper. I'm like, man, I talked to Kelly, talked to Pastor Sean. Which sermon am I going to preach this week? Like Thursday afternoon, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I, I knew that this was the message. This is another confirmation. Thank you for being obedient. This is a word that came to one of our, our people today. And they wrote it down for me. As I was hovering over you this week, and you had no one who hugged you, Remember, my arms are always hugging you. Malia, come up here. Oh, how I love you. So I just want you to imagine the Heavenly Father has his face towards you. This is the posture of your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He is near to you. Just lean in. Your earthly father may not have ever given you a hug like this. But your heavenly father, if you'll receive the hug from your heavenly father, he's got awesome, big, huge, warm, comfy, cozy hugs for his children. Amen, everybody? All right, sis, I owe you a drink from Sheets or something. She likes Starbucks. It's much more expensive. So I'll give you a sheet drink for that hug. <laughs> All right. Can, can I get some help to get her a Starbucks drink? All right, Pastor West, thank you. So there was this young man named Ben Hooper who grew up in the mountains of Tennessee. When he was born, his mother wasn't married. And back then, a long time ago, that could have been a problem. You know, classmates would make fun of you. Where's your dad? You don't have a daddy. And he would get mocked and made fun of at school. In fact, when he'd go to school and it was recess time, he'd make sure to get alone by himself because he couldn't take the mocking and the ridicule. He was tired of being picked on, so he felt out of place. Well, when Ben was 12 years old, a new pastor came to his church. Now, Ben was the type that liked to come in late and leave early so he didn't have to talk to too many people. He had kind of low self-esteem. He had some issues, as you can imagine. But one day, the pastor, he wanted, to, he wanted to catch him before he left so the pastor was able to close the service quickly and, and slip out to go meet him and talk to him. The pastor said to him in the lobby, and who are you, son? Whose boy are you, son? And Ben, as he's telling the story, he says that he just kind of felt, felt this dark, heavy cloud weighing down on him. Man, I'm already going through life feeling like a loser and that I'm always made fun of and my, my classmates mock me. And, and now my pastor? But then the pastor looked down at him, stared him in the eyes, began to smile at him, leaned down just a little bit. Oh, yes, I know who you are. I can see the family resemblance. You are a child of God. And your heavenly father has a rich inheritance for you. Just lean into him. Keep seeking your father, young man. 
Ben Hooper said that those were the most impactful, important words that anyone had ever spoken to him. Ben Hooper grew up and he became the governor of Tennessee. His heavenly father had good gifts for him, better than he could know, better than he could think or imagine. You and I need to expect the same from our heavenly father too. He is a good God with warm hugs, with good things for you. It's on us to just keep asking, seeking, and knocking. It's on him to do the providing. And our Heavenly Father has good gifts, amazing gifts in store for his children. Then Jesus goes on in verse 12 to give us one of the, the hallmark passages in all of Scripture. Matthew 7, verse 12. So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, first thing, I highlighted that word so on purpose. That, that word so is a transition word, isn't it? Now, your translation might say uh, something like therefore, or so then, or in everything, therefore. Jesus has been building his message, okay? This is not some sort of standalone part. There's a reason he put things in this particular order. Now, most of my life, I just viewed this as kind of a, a separate scripture, just kind of stuck in the middle there. And uh, I grew up in church as a young boy. I can remember memorizing this. Do you know what this verse is commonly known as? Oh, my, about four of you. This is the golden rule, people, right? This came from scripture, Right, the golden rule, and this, this is a good scripture to memorize. I would encourage that you do that, but we have to make sure that we read scripture in context, right? That's why we never, believe, uh, we never build theology on just one phrase or one line. We, we look at the whole context of scripture. Well, let's take just a little uh, piece of context from this passage. If we just back it up, even one verse. He says, if you then, though... You are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? So then, therefore, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. In other words, you are now free to treat people well because God has treated you well. Since God takes care of his own, since God takes care of his children, his sons, and his daughters, he knows what's best for his kids, it now can change the way that we relate and the way we treat other people. Now, I imagine that people back then struggled with some of the same things that we struggle with today. Like, I got to look out for me first. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog dog out there. I've got to get mine first in case somebody else comes in and takes what belongs to me. I mean, nobody is looking out for number one except for me. If I don't do it, who's going to? But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't have to be that way. As Christ followers, we have a heavenly father who knows what's best for his kids we have a heavenly father who has good gifts in store for us as we keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Therefore, treat others likewise. 
Now, historians and the theologians, they tell us that the golden rule was around in many different forms back then, even before Jesus shared this Sermon on the Mount. In fact, in AD 20, Jewish rabbi Hillel was approached by a Gentile and said, hey, rabbi, could you just summarize all of the law from the Old Testament, all that Moses and the prophets and all of that, that they were trying, could you summarize that into one sentence for us? Kind of a, a, threw out a challenge to this Jewish rabbi. And the Jewish rabbi, Hallel, thought there for a moment and he, and he came up with the following statement, which, which, is, which is kind of a fun statement. He said, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. Go and learn it. He said, what seems hateful to you, refrain from doing to other people. In other words, if there's something that, that you don't like done to you, then don't do that to somebody else. If you don't like to be punched, don't punch people. If you don't like to be slapped at an award ceremony on the stage, <laughs> God loves you, Will Smith. We're praying for you. Then you don't slap somebody. If you don't want to be robbed, don't rob people. Right? If you don't want to murder, if you don't want to be murdered, don't murder. Right? If you don't want to get cut off on the interstate when you're driving, don't cut others off. I'm preaching to myself. If you don't want to be yelled at, don't yell at somebody. If you don't want to be made fun of, if you don't want to be mocked, then don't make fun of or mock somebody else. Don't do the bad things that you don't want done to you. But as usual, Jesus ups the ante, doesn't he? He raises the bar. He takes the positive approach to this, making this statement even more significant. So I can imagine him saying, now, you've heard it said, don't do hateful things to people because you don't like hateful things done to you. But I say, do good things to others because you want good things done for you. Do you like it when someone is generous? Then be generous to someone else. I love it when you talk back. Do you like it when somebody brings you a 12-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper? Yes. Thank you, Skip. He did it this morning. Then go and do likewise. If you like to be treated with tenderness and kindness, then you treat people with tenderness and kindness. In typical fashion, Jesus raises the bar. He raises the standard. A person might be able to keep the negative. I think I can avoid robbing someone. I think I can avoid committing adultery or slapping someone or cutting someone off in the interstate. But it's another level. It takes intentionality to go above and beyond, to go the extra mile and actually bless that person. Jesus said, go out of your way to do good things for people. This is the new standard. Don't simply stop doing evil. Start doing good. He raises the bar. Don't just refrain from doing bad, but intentionally go and bless and do good. And then he said, just like Rabbi Hillel said, this sums up the law and prophets. If we can get this right, 
we can live by the golden rule, then we end up keeping the rest of God's commandments, particularly as it relates in our relationships with other people. And why and how can we do this? Because God has been generous to us. He's a wonderful heavenly father who doesn't give us stones, he gives us bread, doesn't give us snakes, he gives us fish. God's fatherly love allows and compels us to give that love and that blessing to other people. Some of you need to be reminded of that today. You are loved by your heavenly father. He's not a mean, stingy, old gray-haired man upstairs. He is a loving, generous, gracious, kind, heavenly father. He has good things for you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to be close to you. I can just somehow a little bit in my, in my little mind imagine how God just wants his kids to come near. I love it when my kids just want to be close to me. No agenda, not asking for Starbucks or Chick-fil-A or cash or whatever. Just, I just want to be close to you, Dad. Boy, nothing warms my heart better than that. Can you imagine your heavenly father feels the same way about you? And as they come close, they get to know more about me and mom and our values and, and our beliefs and, and our wants and our wishes for them and what we see in them, the life and the potential and the great plans. It's the same for our Heavenly Father. As we come near, as we draw close to his heart, as we ask, as we seek, as he knock, he begins to download in us exactly what it is that he has for us. You might think, God is so far away. I don't know how he could ever love me. He just seems so far removed from my daily life. All you have to do is ask, seek, and knock. The ability to live for God is just a prayer away. Amen, everyone? Amen. Just want to encourage you right now to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word today. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now as the word has gone forth? My first invitation will be those that you haven't really entered into a relationship with your heavenly father. You can do that today. You can leave knowing that you are saved, knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Know that your burdens have been lifted. Knowing that your heavenly father has good things for you. He's not some mean God upstairs trying to catch you in every little sin. He's just waiting for you to come home. All you have to do is ask, seek, and knock. Book of Romans said if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. And so if you need to be saved today, we want to give you an opportunity to, to do that. No one's looking around. If you're like, hey, pastor, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. 
I, can't, I came in off the street today or someone invited me to church or saw you online and thought, man, I need to get back to church. And, and as you've been here, as you've heard the, the worship and the singing, as, you, as you've uh, seen these missionaries who are passionate for God, as you have felt the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, you're ready to say yes to Jesus and surrender to him. We want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If that's you in this place, you do me a favor, only I'm looking around. Would you lift your hand and hold it there for me so I can pray for you? Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you. I see a hand back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To my left, thank you. This is what it's all about, church. Anytime we extend that invitation, that's your cue, by the way, to be praying for the Holy Spirit to tender our hearts. So right now, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, all you have to do is say a prayer like this, Dear Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I've been living life for myself, and I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for my salvation. And right now, I receive you into my life, and I will live for you from this day forward. If that's you, and you just said that prayer, maybe under your breath or in your heart, we just believe that your eternal destination is now heaven. So we want, you to, we want to, to help you on your journey. There's a connection card. There's one online. Fill that out. There's going to be some prayer team members up front that would love to pray for you. For the rest of you, just want to give one more moment of response. How has the word of God hit you today as you've heard the words of Jesus? Maybe you've been frustrated about your prayer life. You, you were doing those things. You were asking and seeking and knocking, but when things didn't go your way, you said, ah, forget it. I'm just going to throw up a prayer before lunch and then just put Jesus on the shelf. Maybe that's you and you've been challenged to make your prayer life more consistent. Why don't you just ask the Lord to help you with that? What's my next steps, Lord? If I need to set an alarm on my phone to remind me in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening to pray, you might need to do that. Some of you, you have lacked the love of a heavenly father. And you need to just kind of imagine what Malia and I did just a moment ago. Allow the loving arms of the father to surround you. He has good things in store for you. He's not going to give you a bunch of gravel. He's got more than stones for you. He's got fresh bread for you. He's got salmon for you, not a snake. Just receive that, that you are good enough, not on your own, but because of what Jesus did. He now sees you as redeemed. He sees you as one of his children. And our Heavenly Father has good gifts for you. Now, some of you have been walking in those good gifts for a long time. And you've been realizing that you've been a little bit stingy. I'm not even necessarily talking about financially. You've been stingy maybe with your words. You've withheld kindness. You've not been gentle to people. And so this 
golden rule kind of hit you in a different way today and, and you've been challenged by it. It's not just refraining from bad things. It's going out of your way to do something good because your heavenly Father has been good to you. You need to be good to someone else. How would the Holy Spirit have you respond? Is there someone in your life you need to bless? Is there someone at work, someone at school, someone on social media that you just need to bless? Not just, sometimes it's good to just keep your mouth shut. I get it. But God, Jesus, calls us to a higher standard. What can you do this week to bless somebody else? Let's stand together. As you're standing, prayer team, would you come down forward? Can we lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord? Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for rescuing us. We were criminals. We were steeped in sin, but you came and you rescued us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have blessed us with good things. And Lord, you didn't do that so we could just keep them to ourselves. Therefore, now we go and bless other people. Come on, let's respond in singing, Pastor Sean.